time now for Gator Guys Sports Spectacular with your hosts, Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, and Mike Kegley. Gator Guys Sports Spectacular. Here we go. Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy. Glad you're here along with us. Our producer, Tony Cordero, also here. Josh Ewing on audio. Make sure we get all the names in because these are the people. Remember their names are going to make us extra special uh, this week. Okay, it's the game we've been waiting on. Uh, the Gators uh, struggling against uh, Utah two weeks ago. They come back against McNeese State, get the W as expected. Uh, we're getting more into this game in a bit. Uh, Jason Rudner from 24-7 Sports joining us. We'll get his thoughts uh, on this Florida program. But first, guys, uh, let's get right to it. Big game here, Tennessee. We were talking back in the preseason about, you know, kind of how the seat um, that something maybe a little warm um, would get a little warmer if uh, Florida comes out and loses both of these uh, these two teams, uh, these two games early on against ranked teams. Um, it's a brutal, brutal schedule. We know it's waiting on the back end. Let's talk about it. I'm curious. Um, do you feel that, again, uh, a loss is still crucial, if not devastating, this early on in Gainesville? I, I think it's they, they have to win the games they're supposed to win. I, I think that's the big key for them. I'm not sure this is one of those games. They're they're an underdog. But if they can win the games they're supposed to win, you look at their schedule and you see, you know, they've got some, obviously they already beat McNeese State. But for them, they're going to have to beat Charlotte and beat Vanderbilt and then beat Arkansas and, and win, win a couple road games, whether it's at Missouri or whatever, and get to like that six-win thing. And I think it kind of keeps the Wolves at bay until you get the, you know, their their five-star quarterback coming in next year who kind of end this nice recruiting class that they're going to end up with. So, but you got to, if they can pull an upset against Tennessee, if they can beat a Georgia or LSU or Florida State, I mean, those are just icing on the cake, in my opinion. I think got to win the other games. Yeah, this, this is going to be a tough one, but it is at home. If you have an opportunity, you know, in the swamp to to take out a ranked team, you have to do that. I think a lot of it will come down to how many of the mistakes has has the coaching staff gotten the team to avoid making, whether it's dumb penalties, whether it's drop passes, missed tackles. You know, they, there was a lot of self-inflicted wounds in that Utah game. It's really hard to tell with McNeese, did they get better or not? the measure will be against Tennessee. And and if they take some of those self-inflicted mistakes and eliminate them, this team can be competitive. And then you're very similar to what Brad said. You got a team that could go seven and five. Yeah. Billy Napier early on in his tenure at Florida, now seven and eight after the six and seven season a year ago. And again, coming in, trying to uh, restore uh, the pride uh, and the talent uh, and the wins uh, in Gainesville. So, um, uh, Billy Napier and the Gators going in, taking on the Tennessee Volunteers. Napier talking to the media earlier this week. We want to hear a bit of that news conference and get his thoughts and uh, his answers to some of the questions, and we'll talk more about it in a moment. I think we've done a ton relative to educating our players about the rivalry. We do have some veteran players that understand that, that have played in the game. Uh, but it's, it's time for SEC play, uh, and certainly this is an Eastern Division opponent as well. So there's magnitude of that. I think um, it's a big weekend for Gator Nation. We play at home, uh, and we play a, a really good opponent. You know, I think the when you start thinking about their team, offense, defense, and special teams, they have an identity. Um, they've got a veteran team. 
you know, this is a significant number of seniors. I think there's, uh, when you look at that too deep, there's a ton of experience there. Uh, I think they have good personnel, and I do think they present variables on defense, the tempo and offense, uh, and they've done a good job on special teams as well. So the combination of all three parts of their team presents challenges. It's going to be a really important week, and I think when you play in these types of games, it's about the preparation during the week, you know, and really sticking to your system or preparing as an individual player, as a staff member. Um, and certainly we're right in the middle of that here uh, today. So good day yesterday with the team and um, really looking forward to the week and uh, going to work hard to represent the Gators the right way. What questions do we have here? SEC opponent, uh, division opponent, do you handle rivalry games? differently at all with the program during the week? So I think what we've tried to do is um, we try to spend some time in training camp, you know, part of onboarding new group of people, new staff members. I think each, you know, there's an element to that where you have new people in the building each year, right? So we, we did some work there relative to going back and really educating everyone on the history and the magnitude of the game. Do you understand that this was the game at one point in time in college football relative to the SEC, the Eastern Division, and certainly the national championship picture, right? And it happens early. Um, so I, I do think that that's helped. Um, in particular, this year, met with the leadership group at 11 o'clock, and certainly think some of the things that we emphasized during training camp and look, we have several of these games, right? And they all matter. But I think this was unique because of, if you go back and look at the history of this game, it, the importance. So, um, yeah, I think there's an element to it that's a little bit different for sure. Talk about the correlation between keeping your offense on the field and keeping your defense off. Yeah, I think there's a commitment there to play complementary football. Um, ultimately, we've got off the field you know, on defense. I mean, we've been much improved on third down. And look, I think as the season unfolds and we get into the, the thick of the schedule, some of these statistical things uh, will settle in. But, I mean, there's no doubt we've been better in that area. Time of possession has been a factor. Um, ultimately, you know, we probably need to create a few more explosives, truth be known. And, um, you know, there's so many things that contribute to those stats early in the year. I think it can be a little bit of a misnomer. But, you know, we're, there's no doubt I've, I'm confident that we're much improved on defense. We talked about it in the preseason. Uh, and ultimately, I think we're going to continue to get better, too, because there's a lot of young players out there playing. To keep your offense on the field, though, against a team like Tennessee that likes to run 75, 80 plays a game. Yeah, the play count number can roll up. You know, I think it's right in the high 70s. I think relative to both sides of the ball on average, they're going to play in the high 70s. We're going to play in the high 70s. So the play count's going to improve. Um, you know, if, and depth can be a key component, especially late. But um, it's, I think <clears throat> the game's about first down. <clears throat> And then you got to get off the field on third down. So ball gets into the red area. <clears throat> you got to force them to kick field goals.
Um, last year's game was indicative of that, if you dig into it. Uh, what's different, if anything, about Tennessee's offense compared to the one last year? Obviously, different quarterback, different offensive coordinator for what that Two new starters on the left side of the offensive line. The tight end is gone. A couple of the receivers that were significant are gone, right? So, but they've got skill. I mean, they've got some really unique players, some speed in the slot. They've got some matchup issues. Um, the center's been out. You know, I think they'll get him back. I think he makes it go. His ability to communicate and really dictate the tempo and pace of the game. Um, you know, the quarterback is a, a freak of nature. I mean, he's um, he's very, very talented. Not only can throw it, but can run it. I do think he's his ability to rush the ball uh, may be even more effective and more willing than maybe the last guy. So um, they, they've got the plug and play. They've got really good talent there. So, look, I think what's understood sometimes doesn't need to be said, if that makes sense. This is Florida, Tennessee, um, and I think our fan base pretty well versed in this one. But we are encouraging our fans to wear blue. Um, and look, our fans have an opportunity to contribute to the game. They can—they are truly part of the team. They can impact the game. There's an energy that they provide for our players, but there's also an element where they can make it very difficult for the opponent. That's uh, one of the most iconic and more challenging venues in all of college football. Well, I think he's he's saying all the right things, and he's in a good, you know, I think they're in a, he, he's a good coach. He's a good football coach. I mean, he, he knows the game. He's got a bright mind, and I, I think it's a tough situation. Um, you know, we, we've, uh, we've seen that sometimes, you know, really good football coaches can struggle in the wrong situation or when things, when the pressure gets too much or when things just don't flow right or the schedule didn't fit, whatever it is. So I think that's kind of the situation here. Now, can they recruit well enough to get enough talent over the next year or two to compete with all those teams and be a legit? Because, I mean, I think the expectation is to be a top 10 team year in and year out. We'll see where that if they can do that. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. And you wonder how these Florida coaches recruit because you've got Florida, Florida State drawing out of that area. Miami's Miami, Miami, yeah, and then you've got Georgia, Alabama, and heck, even if you can go to different teams in the Big Ten that have pulled a ton of players from Florida. It seems like it's almost an infinite well, but boy, you've really got to have your recruiting locked in, which means you need to win a few games, and you don't want to give too much of an advantage to Florida State and Miami. Yeah, and to your point, not just those schools, but all over the country, it's been you know um, thirty football season since I worked out in West Palm Beach. But even back then, we had kids going to Kansas State, to you know West Virginia, to Boston College. I mean, it, you know, any practice in, in South Florida, you know, I mean, you'd, you'd look up and there, there were one or two college coaches there, college scouts. I mean, it was all the time. And that's back then, right? That's before the internet. And, and it was much harder to recruit kids then. So yeah, you're exactly right. You know, I think that it's, you know, this is one where, you know, it, it, boy, it's so tough. And, and normally I would never say that, okay, well, you know, gee, it's, it's year two, this guy is out, but it's just the pressure these days to win right now is, is so tough. If things do go South, I guess that's my question is, will the administration uh, hang on and stick to their guns and stay the path and wait until you do get these other recruits coming in 
Um, you know, and these players now that are so young that they take their lumps um, and with that experience become better next year and, and moving forward. Yeah. Fans are generally not patient. Neither are boosters, especially <laughs> boosters. Not only giving donating to school, they're donating these players through NIL funds. So they're yeah. even more frustrated. Like, well, this guy, I gave him X number of dollars to advertise for my company. And now he stinks. So you know, it's just, <laughs> this is what happens. And this is kind of, so there, there's more pressure than ever. Um, and, and I do think there's also, I'm not going to, let's not get too deep, but I mean, gambling has changed this, the course of this too. I mean, so many guys get angry when they're betting and they're upset about this and that. And so it, it's, there is the pressure and it's very, and social media amplifies that. I think when you've got a five-star quarterback coming in and knowing that the quarterback position is the biggest difference maker on the field and knowing that Napier is known for his offensive coaching abilities, I think you almost have to stick with him for one more year and see what magic he can work. That may not be ideal in the eyes of Florida fans, but losing losing a five-star quarterback recruit to somebody else because you choose to switch the 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 head coach is a very bitter pill to take. Yeah, big game again, Florida, Tennessee. Um, and and you're exactly right. You know, I think you guys both kind of put out this that the fans are going to be fans. Um, they're going to be negative. They're going to be opinionated. They're going to be critical. Uh, but at the end of the day, if this is your guy, you've got to see him through. Um, even if you know the season doesn't turn out the way that the way that you want or the progress isn't as fast as you want. And we're going to get ready to talk more about this here coming up in just a bit, a few minutes away. Uh, Jason Rudner is standing by. He is the insider for Florida for, with 24 seven sports. Um, can't wait to get his insights on this as we've uh, really enjoyed having just some of the top guys uh, with some inside knowledge uh, here on the show in these uh, first few weeks here of the season. Stay with us. We've got a lot more to come up here. Um, a few different topics to discuss. And we'll do that coming up next. You're on the Gator guys. Sports spectacular. Attention business owners, have you filed for your employee retention credit and been approved? Are you now waiting for your refund check from the IRS instead of waiting months to a year plus? How would you like to get your ERC money in about 10 days? Now you can. With ERCMoneyUpfront.com, we help business owners that have filed their employee retention credit and been approved to get their money faster. If you're getting between $75,000 and $5 million, we could get you up to a 70% advance on that money in about 10 days. To learn more about how you can get your ERC money faster, call this number right now. Speak with one of our funding specialists and have a text sent to your cell phone with details. 800-279-0419. 800-279-0419. That's 800-279-0419. This is not a loan product except in California. An offer is not available in the state of Massachusetts. Uh, back here on the show, let's talk a little. Uh, we continue now with college football. The SEC, fellas, uh, two weeks into the season, um, we don't see this very often. The SEC, three and six versus power five opponents in 2023. We were joking in the break. Um, usually don't see the SEC play that many teams in the, <laughs> in the first couple of weeks. So, uh, so there you, there you go. Well, yeah, Alabama didn't play Eastern Alabama State. So, they had to play Texas a little tougher, but no, I, I think that it's level of competition. I mean, when you play, you know, Alabama playing Texas, Texas is very good. Um, 
Yeah. And I, I think Alabama's still trying to feel things through with their new quarterback. And so, you know, that that's probably the, the biggest marquee game. And then you look at, you know, Texas A&M playing Miami. Right? I mean, these are tough games that you come into. And so, yeah, it's, it's okay. I mean, that, that, but that's what makes it fun. I was just thinking before we before we came on air, I was thinking like, like, what do you do now? You get through Monday, and then like, what is the purpose of Tuesday and Wednesday when there's no football? There's no <laughs> NFL. There's no college. There's nothing. What do we do during those days? <laughs> I'm just totally lost now. I don't know. Well, Brad, when when in doubt, eat. That's pretty much my. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much my theory on everything. Um, you know, I, I think the big winners in the in the SEC having a bad record are the sports fans, uh, college football fans who get to watch the games. I mean, what a fantastic game that was to watch. And I thought both teams acquitted themselves pretty well. At the same time, it's so unusual to see a team go in and beat Alabama at home. And the big winner was us as sports fans getting to watch and enter, enter and enter, you know be entertained by that. Especially before on the weekend that the NFL started, it was great to have some good games on Saturday. No, I totally agree. Um, that was outstanding. And in fact, um, you know, it was amazing getting into. We saw the TV ratings later on. Colorado, Nebraska, a bigger TV audience than Alabama, Texas. So talk about like, you know, get on your knees and repent. I mean, really? Are you kidding me? I mean, it's, you know, but again, the power of Dion, fellas, as we kind of shift gears here, um, we said last week that, again, they're the school brass looks like geniuses bringing them in. And here we are, you know, they're 2-0 and and Fox changing their pregame kickoff show to Champaign to see Penn State, Illinois, staying out in Boulder, even though that's an ESPN game that night they'll be promoting. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I thought that was intriguing. But then I looked at the ratings, and the actual Colorado-Nebraska game had more viewers than Texas-Alabama. Yeah. Think about that. I mean, these are two blue bloods. That's how Deion Sanders is moving the needle. Prime time. He's moved the needle, and he's made it fun to to watch with he's, him coaching. You want to see what's going to happen? And I know, and they're good. They're a good team, and they're fun. They, they do some great things. His, his son's a great quarterback, so... Yeah, I, I think that it makes sense, but this is you want as a TV. What do they want? They want viewers. Dion brings viewers. Yeah, it, it's hard to try to dispute what Dion brings with his personality and his Q rating, and you know the the famous uh, reputation that he's built over twenty five years, thirty years. I also think before we make him the greatest coach in the history of college football, let's wait for more than two games into the, his first season yeah. at a power five school. Yeah. yeah. And Mike, I would say, I, I'm not, I think it's more about the fact that people want to watch. I mean, before, I mean, that's, I don't know if it's about his, I don't know if he's a great coach or not. I think he does fine, but I think it's, he's interesting. Yeah. So I think that's the key. Yeah, he is. Uh, here's what I love is that um, his son is going to steal the spotlight from him. Um, Dion, the Klieg lights, he makes sure they're on him first. Uh, Shadur Sanders saying, no, no, dad, my turn. Uh, I recall when he was a freshman at Jackson at uh, at Jackson State. Um, and Dion, they, they asked the kid the question during media day, and Dion took the question. I mean, he answered himself. Get out of your kid's way. Well, Shadur Sanders is his own man. Um, and the question for you, who is um, is Heisman race? Is it a two-way race, Sanders? 
And last year's winner, Caleb Williams, and is the Hunter kid, Travis Hunter of Colorado. Is he is he a third man right now? Three man race at the moment. Yeah, intriguing. I I don't think anybody's beating Caleb Williams, um, but I, I do think those are both intriguing names in this Heisman race. We'll have to see what what plays out. Uh, you know, somebody else could have a you know big run here too. But I, I think winning is going to be key. Colorado wins a lot, ten and two to twelve and zero, something like that. They're right there in the hunt. Well, and I, I think the you know both both Sanders and Hunter will have an opportunity to win some big awards. Colorado has six ranked teams left on their schedule. If they can go through that, even four and two, that will be pretty darn impressive. The one thing with Caleb Williams is the Tim Tebow effect. It's so hard to win back to back because you're comparing. You know, the media is going to compare you against yourself from last year, and if you don't have better stats, right? If you don't do, and you know. Not to get into it again, but Tebow, a lot of the numbers were manufactured as a sophomore that weren't manufactured as a junior because Urban Meyer had a better team. So, but um, but it's fun to talk about it. Colorado and the Heisman conversation, Colorado as a destination for the media, that hasn't happened in in a really long time. I mean, look, even locally, the the local TV people were wearing black and gold on Friday, not Broncos orange and blue on opening weekend with Sean Payton as your first first year first game as a head coach, right? So I mean. <laughs> You know, the, the Dion, listen, he's taking the spotlight from a lot of people right now. And uh, and even from the moment from USC. But again, we will uh, we'll watch. OK, more to come. Stay with us. Go Raiders, by the way. How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as eighty three dollars a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20 percent interest. Rate Genius can help you reduce your car payments by reducing your interest rate to as low as 2.48% APR. We can refinance most existing car loans or leased cars, new or used, and save you money every month. Put more money back in your pocket. The call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment. Five minutes of your time right now could save you hundreds of dollars a year. Call Rate Genius now. 800-425-1161. 800-425-1161. That's 800-425-1161. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors. How would you like to get high-speed internet for your home for less than $2 a day? That's right. For about 50 bucks a month, you'll get lightning fast internet. Are you paying less than 50 bucks a month right now for your internet? Then call Whole Home Connect right now for blazing fast internet at 50 bucks a month with no price increases, no hidden fees, no contracts, no upfront costs, no equipment fees. It's a great deal. And guess what? You can try it for 15 days. If you don't like it, you get your money back. But you're gonna love it. And you're gonna love the price. Internet for your home for 50 bucks a month. That's less than two bucks a day. Plus, no contracts, no upfront costs, no equipment fees, and our 15-day guarantee. Call now. 800-215-0341. 800-215-0341. That's 800-215-0341. You're listening to the Gator Guys Radio Network. 
Once again, Gators Falls coming up. We can't wait to kick off and to give us uh, some more knowledge in this game and his insights. Welcoming in Jacob Rudner from 24-7 Sports. Jacob, good to have you here on the show. We appreciate your time. Uh, let's get right into this. Um, look, Tennessee, Florida, I mean, look, the Gators, we all know, did not look good in week one, right, out at Utah. You come back against the in the money game and get your money's worth, what you're supposed to do. Uh, what do we expect here in, in game three that's a really crucial mid-September matchup? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenging game to kind of put your thumb on in terms of analyzing how it's supposed to go. I think that these are two teams uh, that are kind of in a state of flux, if you will. I think that Florida uh, started off really slow and is now in a position where it needs to demonstrate quite a bit of improvement. Uh, in order to kind of keep on track with expectations in Gainesville. And there's also a Tennessee team, I think, that people are kind of looking to uh, prove it to a degree. This is a group that, you know, is 2-0 and ranked 11th in the country, but 11th is not uh, higher than where they started in the preseason poll. They're moving in the wrong direction uh, despite winning. I would say that that passing offense is, is questionable. Uh, and so you kind of have this matchup of, of great intrigue coming into this weekend where, you know, there's a Florida team that has an opportunity to – kind of have a statement win early on in its season. It'd be Billy Napier's first rivalry win uh, of his tenure. And for Tennessee, it's an opportunity to prove itself as well. You know, like I said, just a team that uh, has had varied results through its first two games against poor opponents uh, and could use a win in enemy territory where it hasn't won since 2003. So when you look at this, Florida, you know, every we saw the kind of the debacle that was Utah game, right? They just didn't look, they looked out of sync. Did they write the ship a little bit in week two, in your opinion? It's so hard to say. Uh, you know, you look at McNeese State, and it's just not of, a, of the quality, I think, that you know, would really be a, a, a valuable barometer for a team like Florida in the SEC. Uh, you expect Florida to, to roll over a team like McNeese. I think if Florida uh, didn't look impressive in that game, it would have been more of a concern uh, than its polished performance was you know, a positive. Uh, but but look, I think that the Gators checked the boxes that they needed to uh, against the Cowboys. They were efficient on offense, very few penalties, not as many procedural errors as we saw in the first week. Uh, and so a necessary performance, but I'm not going to you know call it something that's going to give me confidence uh, as the Gators proceed. I need to see more from them for sure. Um, and I think that's the that's the tough part of this is that we talked, you know, last week after the Utah game that and two weeks ago as well, of course, that that this was a Gators team that we thought looked looked disorganized was the word that we used in game one. I think that's fair. Um, I mean, a lot of others that that some really diehard fans could really probably use that we can't say here because of SEC rules. Um, but at the same time, to your point, you get the win, but I guess that's what I'm hearing for you. What do they gain from that? Are they are, are they better organized? And, and do they find enough answers to get ready to take on a, a motivator and a very good Tennessee team? Well, I, I, look, I think that that the, the performance that Florida was able to put together against McNeese is valuable. I, I think that it's valuable to the team in that it's a it, it's a showing where, you know, defensively, Florida is Florida's able to generate a pass rush, which it really wasn't able to do against Utah. That in and of itself is valuable. Florida's players have now felt and seen and experienced what it's like to be cohesive and effective in the pass rush. That is momentum. That's something that you can carry from one game into the next, even if it wasn't against a quality opponent. And, and the same can be said for several other areas across the field. Running back, Florida got its backs involved. All three of them all looked excellent. Uh, run blocking was very strong. Pass blocking was very strong. 
Uh, Florida hit on a deep ball, which was something that Billy Napier said needed to happen and will need to continue to happen. So look, I, I don't know that uh, we, we learned too much about Florida, but I certainly think that Florida uh, will be able to pull some confidence from its most recent performance, certainly. When you look at Tennessee, what are when you look at this matchup, what do you think, like if you had to pick a key to this game, you know, Tennessee obviously doesn't have, you know, hooker again, right? So they've got Milton isn't the same passing guy. What is the key for Florida if they want to kind of, you know, slow this team down? And then on the other side, how does Florida, you know, attack Tennessee? Uh, well, I think for in terms of stopping Tennessee, it starts up front for Florida. And that's going to come down to whether or not the Gators can stop Tennessee on the ground. Uh, Tennessee enters play with the fourth ranked rushing offense in the country. And, and granted, we can point at Tennessee's opponents through its first two games, Virginia and Austin Pay. Not impressive, uh, but still, I think that they're running a, a success so far is worth something. Uh, and so Florida will have to be able to slow them down uh, in that respect, because if they can't, there then becomes the possibility where things can get opened up, not only on the ground, but through the air on the perimeter, which is really where a Josh Heupel offense is thriving. When it's able to you know, be diverse in how it attacks a defense, uh, you, know, you open up play action, you have an athletic quarterback like Joe Milton who becomes a threat with his legs, you get him moving around the field a little bit. Florida's going to want to prevent that from happening as early as possible. And, and the only way to do that is by slowing down that three-headed monster attack uh, that Tennessee has on the ground. And in terms of what Florida might need to do to be able to come out with a win here, like I said just a second ago, I think it comes down to whether or not the Gators can hit on shot plays via passing. We know Florida is a capable running team. It's, it's been that way now for 14 consecutive games dating back to the start of Billy Napier's tenure. What we have not seen dating back to last year is a consistent downfield explosive threat in its passing attack. Napier has acknowledged publicly that Florida will need to step it up in that regard if it hopes to continue to make progress the way that it wants to this year. Uh, And if it can't, I think that that could be a real struggle uh, and, and something that proves quite limiting in this game. Uh, talking with Jacob Rudner again of 24-7 Sports, Florida getting ready to take on Tennessee in this crucial SEC East matchup. Um, I'll put, I'll ask you because everyone's talking about it, and, and we've talked to other uh, insiders as well when it comes to the Gators head coach, Billy Napier. I never, I, I, as a rule, I never entertained the thought that a coach in his second year in a major program, especially one of the renowned of the Gators, um, could be on the hot seat. But I think it seems realistic, or maybe you tell me if I'm if I'm wrong, that if Florida not if they lose, if they if they don't play well, if if it feels like that it's the same mistakes as we saw in, in week one, um, do those does do those conversations become louder in Gainesville? Is that possible to where, hey, wait a minute, you know, because the schedule is brutal. I mean, you, you got the Gators are one of the toughest schedules in the country where you've got three top 10 teams to end the season, right? Um what what happens here if if they don't play not just lose but don't play well on Saturday? Yeah, I think I think it's fair to say that the uh, noise in the chamber would would become a little bit louder if Florida looks sloppy and and you know just not put together in this game and loses. I, I certainly think that that's the case, and and you know history would show that Florida fans are passionate, uh, they have high expectations, and they of all things don't really tolerate losing to Tennessee. Florida has not lost to Tennessee in Gainesville since two thousand three. Uh, Florida has lost in back-to-back years to Kentucky just three times since 1970. So that's not really uh, something that is acceptable in, in Gainesville as a loss to the volunteers. Uh, and, and, of course, that could become fuel to the fire. 
That being said, I think it would take a true disaster for Florida this season overall for the noise that might be generated by the fan base to really become a reality in which Billy Napier is genuinely on a hot seat. Uh, This is year two of what is well known to be uh, a rebuild. Florida was not in a good place when Napier took over. They needed to flush out the vast majority of last year's roster just to get to the spot where they are now, which is, you know, if we're we're being honest, a fairly unimpressive team, all things considered being in the SEC. Uh, And and so the expectation was not that Florida was going to go out and be, you know, the best team in the conference or even remotely close to that this season. Uh, Do I think Florida can go three and nine and Napier get away with it? No, that's not what I'm suggesting. But if Florida would have finished the season five and seven, I, I don't think it's as disastrous as it might be made out to be. Uh, six and six even would be a, a very acceptable finish. I think when you're in that four, three range, you know, you really start to have some conversations. Uh, I, I don't know how possible that really is though this year. So uh, can, can I switch gears here, Larry? Can I ask, I got to ask a, a Gator guy, a guy who covers the Gators about Swamp Kings on Netflix. I got to change this totally thing. <laughs> like, you know, I, and I want, the reason I want to, I want to kind of transition here because you talk about the pressure. In that show, uh, the Untold Swamp Kings thing, Urban Meyer's talking about the pressure in his first season. Like, if this didn't happen, we weren't I, – I was done at Florida. I mean, and I know it's dramatized, but, I mean, you know, if he didn't get Tebow – well, Napier has the guy, right? He has his guy coming. So does that kind of give him a little bit of leash, too, when you watch this kind of video? When you watch that? Yeah, absolutely. No, no doubt about it. I think it's a great question, too. I, I think that Swamp Kings – has generated uh, an interest in Florida on a, on a national scale and maybe you know reinvigorated some passion within the fan base of this whole what Florida is supposed to be uh, you know mantra. Florida is supposed to be dominant and that really reinforced that. Uh, and you're right, you know they pointed out on that show that you know Urban Meyer felt like his job could be in danger if he didn't secure a quarterback like Tebow. And yes. Uh, Billy Napier does have his Tebow and it's DJ Lagway out of the state of Texas. And he, you know, appears to be a, a potentially program changing talent. Uh, he is a phenomenally good quarterback. Uh, but my question, you know, really becomes what is Florida able to do around DJ Lagway? It's not so much about the quarterback as it is about the surrounding pieces. Uh, Lagway is talented and they need him to be a part of this class. But if, you know, the, the wheels continue to kind of fall off, this season and Florida, you know, routinely falls short of expectation. How many of these kids around Lagway make up this third ranked class in the country might start considering their options elsewhere. How many other schools are going to come with a better NIL package or a better, you know, promise of winning quickly. Uh, And and how will that influence Florida's class? That is really what I'll be looking at. Uh, But to answer your question, yes, I I do think that recruiting uh, is a huge deal for Billy Napier. It's something that, you know, would, would be very significant. Uh, if they can maintain a top three or even a top five class. Uh, and, and really, I think that, you know, that that is a factor that can, you know, maybe make people look past win losses at the end of the season. You know, and part of that, um, you're right, the issue of, of winning and recruiting. Um, let's say things go south and maybe Saturday doesn't go well. And a couple of these games, the end of the season, um, you know, Georgia right now, you know, those guys, um, are, are clicking with the back-to-back national titles. Um, what happens um, if, let's say, DJ decommits? Um, I, I don't, I don't want to whisper that out into the universe, but 
what if that happens? What is that a bad sign for Napier at that point? If things, I mean, it, it, it can't be good for him, right? Yeah. I, before I answer that, I'm going to just speak to Gator fans right now and say that I do not anticipate no matter what DJ Lagway decommitting from the university of Florida. Uh, let's just be very clear from the jump. I, that kid actually really is uh, very bought into the Gator experience. He, he's a very proud Gator commit. Uh, and, and that recruitment has seen lockdown for some time. That being said, you know, had had it not been that way, or even if it becomes undone for whatever reason, yes, absolutely, it would be disastrous if, if DJ Lagway were to decommit from this class. Uh, he is the cornerstone of the group without question. Uh, and there are potentially other kids, I think, who fall into that category. Xavier Filzame, uh, a defensive back, Florida's second five-star in the group. Uh, if he were to decommit, that would be disastrous. There, there are plenty of, of very important pieces in this class uh, who Florida will need to hold on to uh, if it hopes to continue its momentum and, and kind of, you know, mitigate some of the impact of, of potentially an unimpressive record. Yeah, I, I think that speaks to Napier has to recruit well because you have to have talent to win in the SEC. You can be a great mind. You know, he's known to be, you know, a great football mind, but you got to have the, the Jimmys and the Joes, as they say. So recruiting is going to be the lifeblood for any program and especially a rebuild like this. Yeah, without question. It, 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 it's just, you know, recruiting is, is the lifeblood of any college football program. And I granted, you know, I think it's important, and this is, I'm certain, something that you guys have explored in the past. The transfer portal has changed how we think about recruiting. And, and Florida could put itself in a position where, you know, let's say things become undone and, and you know, the recruiting class isn't what it's built to be right now at the end. Uh, can Florida salvage that via transfer portal recruiting? Absolutely. And so uh, I think the term recruiting is a lot broader than it used to be. And that's important to recognize too. So, so yes, there's a world in which the season goes very poorly and high school recruiting isn't as pretty as it is right now. Uh, but I still see a way in which Billy Napier is able to kind of salvage that. Yeah. And boy, said so well uh, from someone who clearly knows how the internet works these days to make sure he put that disclaimer at the front because <laughs> absolutely I wasn't suggesting it and he wanted to make sure that anyone listening knew he wasn't <laughs> suggesting it. So I totally respect that. Hey, Jacob, man, we appreciate your time. Um, enjoy the game Saturday. Let's talk again soon. Thanks guys. All right. Jacob Redner of 24 seven sports talking to about the Gators and uh, the Vols coming up here on Saturday and uh, giving us some great insight. We certainly appreciate that. Stay with us. Much more to come here on the Gator guys. Sports spectacular. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. 800-448-0828. 800-448-0828. That's 800-448-0828. Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News & World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022. 
And right now, you can get Vivint's home security technology for about a dollar a day. Plus, get free professional installation from a licensed technician. Protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day. Call right now for your free home security consultation. 800-613-8053 That's 800-613-8053 Back here to wrap things up. Let's take a look at uh, some of the bigger games on Saturday. Brad, who do you got? Tennessee, Florida, Tennessee at Florida. This is an intriguing game when you when you think about this, because Florida, although they looked, um, you know, they looked really bad against Utah and Tennessee, though, although they keep winning, have really kind of slid in the rankings. I mean, they're still they're lower than they started the season, even though two and oh, they won handily. So it's interesting. I, I think that this obviously it's a road game for Tennessee. Florida is a team that has talent. We know. They're still Billy Napier still filling, th- figuring things out. Josh Heupel seems to have a role in Tennessee, but for some reason it's this you know a six and a half point spread. Um, I, I Tennessee has not really been great in the passing game yet. Um, they can obviously run the ball. They're you know one of the best teams in the country running the football. So I think this is up to Florida. Florida can slow down that running game. They have a chance to win this at home and kind of right the ship. I'm heading into what is probably the most difficult closing schedule of anybody in the country, but I, I still like Tennessee. I just think it'll be uh, a close game down to the wire. Yeah. And I I've got Colorado state visiting Colorado. What a, what a dynamo Deion Sanders has done uh, in terms of a coaching job in the first two weeks has proven that you can literally turn a roster upside down, shake out any parts that are loose like Legos and then turn it over, get some more pieces and go out and win a couple games, including beating a team that was in the national championship last year. I do think that Colorado State is outmanned and Shadur Sanders, he may have another 500 yard game. You know, we could be looking at at potentially, I don't know if he can make it to 1,500 yards in three games with his arm, but boy, is it going to be exciting. And then you also want to see what Travis Hunter is going to do because can he maintain playing as many downs as he is in the thin air uh, of, of Colorado, you know, for a second game. I, I just, I just think this is going to be exciting to, to watch and, and, the rest of the country seems to agree as nobody would have predicted. I don't care who you are. The Colorado was going to outdraw Alabama and Texas in terms of viewing eyes across this country. It's still one of the craziest stats of the week, isn't it? I mean, of this early season, <clears throat> I'm with you. I mean, when you talk Tennessee, Alabama, that's the game. And, uh, but it goes to show you again, the power of Dion. And again, the shrewdness and the now genius of the Colorado uh, <laughs> upper brass in the school and the athletic department to bring in Deion Sanders. And like you said, I'm, I'm happy you mentioned Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter, because while, while the eyeballs, while Dion is bringing the eyeballs, the Klieg lights should be on those guys as uh serious Heisman front runners. If you can be as such here in the early season and to do it without any hype last season is huge. You have to have a setup here to win the Heisman 
or to be in that, have that kind of conversation. And that did not happen for these two. And yet here they are. So I think it's great. And uh, it's good for college football. Uh, why not? You know, um, Dion's going to lose. He's not going to go 12 and 0. Um, but I'm with you. I'm the one who I raised my hand and say, I did not think he would be a huge success at Jackson state. And I'd be stunned if they win three games this season and they could win three games this month. So tells yeah. you what I, uh, number one, Georgia, uh, getting into sec play the Bulldogs taking on South Carolina, huge favorite here, 28 point favorite for UGA. They're at home at Sanford stadium in Athens. Uh, by the way, back on CBS, the last year of that three thirty time slot, uh, going to the sec, we saw some big 10 teams there as they begin to dabble in that, as they take over that time slot in 2024, uh, but why not have the, the two-time defending champs uh, right there uh, waiting for you for game one for CBS? Uh, our friend David Moulton, um, you know, he'll he's uh, working that game there at Gary Danielson, his uh, spotter. Um, you know, Spencer Rattler, the star quarterback for, for South Carolina, um, offensive player of the week last week, 25 of 27, 345, three passing touchdowns and a touchdown run against Furman. Remember last year against the uh, UGA, only 13 to 25, 118 yards, had a couple of picks as well. So a little bit different. Um, but again, Georgia is not going to look too deep into this. They're going to go out and do um, what they have to do uh, to get the win here because um, there is a much tougher game they had. I don't see South Carolina winning this game. I just don't see any way possible unless just something uh, crazy happens. Look for Georgia to get the big win as we expect. So, hey, that does it for now. Busy, busy show yet again. We hope you enjoy the games. We hope you've enjoyed the time together. Because guess what? We get to do it again, same time, same place, same station next week. For Brad and Mike and everyone uh, here, a part of the crew, I'm Larry. Enjoy. We'll see you next week. The preceding program is a product of Rise Above Productions and Revision Sound. Join us next week for the latest edition of the Gator Guys Sports Spectacular.